Welcome to the Let's Get Uncomfortable podcast, the show that encourages open dialogues over closed minds. I'm Torrance, and with each episode, we will be diving into a tough topic regarding race or class in the hopes that we can build understanding and ultimately unity. So join me as we get outside of our comfort zones and engage different perspectives. You're listening to episode 11 of the Let's Get Uncomfortable podcast. Today's episode is all about education and is the first part of a three-part series on education. Today's special guest is TJ. Please introduce yourself. Uh, I am TJ Lechner, a friend of yours for shoot 17 years-ish. We graduated high school together. I... uh, I'm a school teacher, was private at one point, and now I'm um, I'm on the front lines in a in a in a public school setting, and uh, I've got uh, got a, a marriage coming up here on New Year's Eve, and I got blessed to inherit my fiance's uh, daughter from her previous marriage. She uh, she will be five coming up here in December, so yeah. that's that that's fun. I get to. I get a I get a little girl who's the same age as a bunch of my friends' kids, so <laughs> I get to jump in, kind of like ahead of I guess all the difficult stuff and do all the fun stuff with with my stepdaughter and uh, and, and their kids. So it's uh, it, it's really exciting to 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 be at this stage in life. I kind of I kind of have always wanted to be at this stage, and now that I'm here, it's not disappointing. That that's for certain. All right. That's, that's awesome, man. Congratulations on the impending nuptials here on uh, new year's Eve. That's going to be fun, Thank you, sir. Yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> yeah. And has it really been 17 years? I was going to say freshman year of uh freshman year of high school. Was it that long ago? <laughs> I don't even know. I was, I was rough mathing. So if I'm wrong on that, that that's on me. It's all good. I actually think it's 19. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's clip that. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, man, that is a uh, that, that that is a good chunk of a uh, good chunk of time. <laughs> and uh, you, ever since I've known you, uh, have been an incredible swimmer, and you've had a, a passion for for coaching as well, right? Yeah, incredible is uh, not incredible. Pretty run of the mill. I'm a better coach <laughs> than I'm a swimmer. I'll, I'll say, uh, it, coaching is my passion, which kind of led me into teaching. So uh, it's helping people go from not having something to having something. So not having the skill of swimming to having the skill of swimming and watching them succeed with it is, uh, is, is very satisfying. Um, and the same goes for teaching. So that's kind of where I figured out that was my calling. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, obviously the reason I had you on today is because I wanted to talk about some stuff around education, but really, you know, I just want to kind of go ahead and dive in and just kind of give um, everyone that's listening a little bit of a, our background, at least when it comes to, um, you know, where our mindsets are and where our perspectives are and things like that. But I know that over the years, um, you and I have not always seen eye to eye. And honestly, nope. it was uh, <laughs> it was honestly pretty rare, uh, pretty rare that we did. Um, we've definitely had some um, some pretty some pretty nice debates, uh, you know, sometimes through social media, sometimes in person, things like that. Um and I just kind of wanted to to, to kind of dive dive into that. Do you, can you remember anything that we like specifically that we've talked about? You know, previously. Um. See, I remember. You know, when I was in my, and I'll say it because I, I used to be there. My cushy little private school job. Uh, 
there were there was some debate about you know there being deficits in schools and me being like well I don't see them. Um, <laughs> of course, me being where I was at that time didn't see them. Um, but we you know we we had some contentious debates as term in terms of where where that goes and you know I'll 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 out myself. I'm a I used to be a fairly far right wing guy um, and. Uh, so I, I fell in line with a lot of those stances and uh, it, I think, I think being in the real world and being in education has opened my eyes tremendously to deficits that you really have no clue of until you're on the front lines in some capacity. Yeah. So, so tell me about that. You were at a private school and then you actually moved into Jefferson County public schools and uh, you were teaching at a, at one of our local high schools, right? Yes. Yes. I was, um, um, I was at a private school and while I was there, I kind of always found myself helping the kids that when you'd get the warnings about like, watch out for this kid, he's so-and-so and watch out for this kid. He needs blah, blah, blah. And watch out for this kid. He's a fighter and all that stuff. And it's, it's weird. I found myself taking to those kids a little bit more, the ones that needed a little bit more TLC that weren't, you know, cookie cutter students and, and working with them and developing, you know, a, a healthy working relationship with them where I could, I could dang near ask them to run through a brick wall and they'd find a way to, <laughs> to try. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't do that, but they, it, it reached a point of trust where I trusted them and they trusted me and I think trust goes a long way. So um, they got pretty stale where I was really quick. Um, and I was like, all right, we need a change. Either I'm getting out of, out of education or I'm going to uh, jump into the public sphere of the whole thing and see, see what that's like. So I went back to school, uh, same year COVID started. Yay. Yay. Me, uh, went, went back to school. And then I went, uh, made the jump over to a public high school, um, here in Jefferson County and became a special ed teacher in, in public high school. And that, um, I would say the first three or four weeks slapped me across the face a little bit. You know, I was and it wasn't that that kind of drifted me politically, at least more towards the middle. Um, I, there was several things before then that was kind of teeter-tottering me in that direction. But I definitely think becoming a teacher and seeing the, the difficulties that my students faced that I've never dealt with um, as a person, as a teacher, as an adult, uh, it, it kind of opens your eyes to a whole different world than the one that you're used to. Yeah. So, so tell me this, when you were at your private school, and this has kind of been my, my critique of, of private schools and Catholic schools, at least in around Louisville is that they're majority high income, uh, wealthy individuals, their parents at least, and they're typically, you know, pretty white, you know, there's, there's not a lot of diversity, uh, among a lot of the students and, um, yeah, that's that's really just been a, a big critique of mine. Was that pretty similar to your experience uh, at the school that you were at? Because I know that some are different. Yeah, the school that I was at, um, my last year teaching, I think we had one we had one black kid in in our in in our whole class of seventy five kids. Um, you know, split amongst three different classrooms, but uh, we had one 
one black kiddo there and you know he he felt like he stuck out like a sore thumb sometimes poor guy uh he was sweetest kid in the world super sharp super athletic uh i, I love the kid but he, he 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 would tell me sometimes like mr lechner nobody here looks like me and sometimes that's annoying yeah so how did you feel hearing that from from him when he expressed that um you know i've never i'll be honest you know i've never been i'm, I'm a, i don't want to say never because i i don't i've cataloged every single thing in my entire living history but i don't think i've ever been in a situation where i've expressed that feeling so immediately i was like all right let's be the teacher let's be the adult here let's you know sympathizing is one thing let me try to 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 put myself in your shoes a little bit so kind of you know explain to me why you feel that way um what you'd like to see what what you know what would make it better do people treat you okay do i treat you okay check me please check me um please tell me if I've treated you any, any different. I, I certainly have never willfully tried to do that. Um, and you know, it's, it's, I think honest conversations like that from adults go a long way with kids. Um, and I have another story when we get into the public part of my teaching career that, that tells you kind of how far along I, I came with with that whole the whole yeah. racial thing yeah i so what what i what I, the one that i remember that we talked about previously was um you know student loans and um and also scholarships so yeah. i think that one time we had a it was over twitter i think where we were kind of talking about um you know how you how you grew up you know not wealthy and you know not making a lot of money and things like that and how you had loans to take back and uh, loans that you had to pay back um, and there weren't a lot of scholarships available for you and things like that. And I think you were, you, you were pretty angry that, you know, um, that there were other options out there for people who were going through the same things that you were, just had a different skin color. Yeah. I, you know, I, student loans in general make me angry. So they're, <laughs> <Agreed. laughs> they're never not going to make me angry. Uh, I think I might be angry in a different way now, but then, you know, I, I, I did feel like, I did feel like it was, uh, it was, you know, I did, I'll say it. I, th- I thought it was unfair then that uh, being a certain color on a palette will get mm-hmm. you, will get you somewhere. And then, then it, I kind of, once you and I got done talking about it, I'm like, hold on, did me being on a color, a color on a palette get me somewhere? I'm not really, <laughs> I, you know, I, again, I don't, you can't really quantify that. You can't right. really say, sure i got this because i was white i got this because i was white you don't really know i mean you know my parents were well off for a very large chunk of my life and when when i went to college a lot of that kind of fell through that was right around the the housing crash the 2008 you know the whole thing exploded and i ended up having to take on all of my college on my own so i was pretty angry from my circumstances i think a, when you when you when you look at it like that, you know, and also I'm deaf in one ear and there wasn't freaking anything out there for me <laughs> when I was going to college. They're like, oh, sorry, you got to be more than half deaf. I'm like, uh, what? are you serious? <laughs> yeah. 
Like, I figured, I mean, there are scholarships out there for everything. I figured there'd at least be like, hey, if you happen to love to wear your hat backwards and you are half deaf in one ear, you know, we have a thousand dollars for you. Right. <laughs> like if you're missing your pinky toes, here's a scholarship. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it, and there was, it, there wasn't anything and it was, I think there are a lot more now, Yeah, uh, but, but then I you, you know, a, like you said, 19 freaking years ago when we started <laughs> high school, uh, it, it's, it's, I'm sure there's a lot more resources now than there were then. But when it comes to the, when it comes to the student loan stuff, I do, I do see a lot of my kids now that have close to nothing needing something to get them the something that everyone else has. I see that. So yeah. And again, I want you to know that I don't ask you that question um, about bringing up, you know, one of our old debates just to, you know, pour it on or make you feel bad or anything like that. But what I am hoping is that there are people who are listening to this podcast who think very similar to you the way that you did um, or or currently think the same way that you did uh, about this. And so I'm kind of curious as to, you know, what what predicated that, that change within you. And it seems like, at least from what you've expressed to me, that it had something to do with the public school um, that you ended up teaching at. And I know you just mentioned a second ago that you, uh, the first four weeks kind of slapped you in the face. Like what, you know, what was the the big change or the stark change that you saw in those four weeks that, that really said, wow, this is different. Um, I mean, right off the bat, starting school, I have kids for the whole first 10 days of school wearing the same pieces of clothing every day because um, it's all they had. I had kids coming to school hungry because uh, they hadn't eaten since lunch the day before. Um, I had kids that didn't have running air, didn't have running water, uh, didn't have access to a shower. I mean, it's, it's these things that are like, I mean, you're so flooded with like, how can I help? It's like a tornado and a tsunami and a hurricane are all happening at one time. You're like, what, what do I do here? How do I, how do I fix this? So I do, I mean, the, the first thing I did, I'm like, all right, I'm going to Costco and I'm buying as much bulk food as I can. And I'm going to keep it under my desk. And I told my kids, this is your, this is your place. You need a place to come in the morning. You don't want to go to the cafeteria. You're hungry, whatever. Come see me before you go to your first period class. Come see me. I will have a drink and I will have a, a snack. You know, mind you, it's not healthy. I, can't, I have a mini fridge in my room. I can't keep like fruits and veggies in there. But, <laughs> right. but if I'm tossing them a Nutri-Grain bar or a Pop-Tart and, you know, an, an orange juice or a Gatorade or something, that's knowing that I can at least get them to me, you know, whether it's later on in the day or the next period or whatever, I'd, that was my first step. Um, and then the second step was conversation. I mean, I'd, a lot of my classes, I teach kids that have learning behavior disorders that have emotional behavior disorders. And um, it's a lot of my classes are, I was teaching math then. Um, and it wasn't just math. I'm teaching a real world. And I want, and I told them day one, uh, this is my day one speech. Every single time I'm teaching is just as much as I want you learning from me. I want to learn from you. That's my day one speech every day, first year of school or first day of school every day. I want to learn as much about you and from you as you do from me. 
Man. Now, was that the same speech that you would give at the private school that you taught at too? Um, in a sense, but it was like in the back of my head, I'm like, I mean, I know these kids, like, come on, I, I know these kids, like what more can I learn from them? It, it, that sounds so asinine saying that, like look back on my teaching seven years ago. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I can't, can't even believe that I would assume that much. There's always stuff to learn, whether you're no matter what situation you're in. But, um, that was, that was my mindset was like, ah, I've been there before. I, you know, mm. I, I went to public then went to private then went to pu- public again. So I've, I kind of knew where these kids came from. They right. looked a lot like me. They grew up in houses, like how I grew up. And I'm like, ah, this is easy. We, we can do this. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we hear teachers talk all the time about how, um, at least in the public school sphere, where they are using their own money to purchase school supplies and things like that for their students. Uh, it's not all that often that you hear that, you know, there are teachers out there who are also providing food um, for their for their students. Was this just something that you did or were you aware of like other teachers also feeling that way because of the students that they had as well? I mean, I, honestly, I didn't really take, I didn't follow anyone's lead. It was just the first thing that came to my head. I'm like, all right, well, if they're hungry, I'm going to feed them. I, that, that's an easy, I can fix that tomorrow. Like, let me, let me, I'll see you tomorrow. Come see me. And even, I even have a thing where like on your birthday, if you remember to tell me it's your birthday, because I've got <laughs> a billion kids and I sometimes lose track. I'm pretty good at keeping track, but remind me on your birthday, you get a snack and a drink of your choice, no limits. So I'll give the kids, you know, whatever they want, whether Mountain Dew and hot fries or Doritos and a Powerade, <laughs> whatever you want. I'm tell me what you want. I'll get it for you on your birthday. And they're like, whoa. And I'm like, if I'm the only birthday present you get that day is a drink and some snacks, like perfect. I'm keeping you alive till you see me tomorrow. Like that's, that's, that's what you, that's what went through my head. Uh, and then, you know, it's funny because after I started doing that, there were, I don't, I don't have a number, but there were a few teachers who took, started following me, started bringing along food and giving the kids snacks. I mean, I know we have a food pantry. We had a food pantry at the school and that's, um, that's helpful, but it's only open on Fridays. So that's not very helpful because, you know, they're trying to make sure the kids can eat through the weekend. Right. Um, so I was like, all right, well, I'll cover Monday through Monday through Friday morning then and see if that sticks. And I had yeah. so many kids like you almost know, like even even after after they had me the next year, they'd be like, Mr. Wagner, do you still do you still keep snacks? Like do you do you still have drinks? Can I still get one? I'm like, dude, once you're my student, you're always my student. Of course. <laughs> like, here, take take one, take two, put one in your backpack. You if someone asks you where you got that, you didn't get it from me because I don't want to lie on my door. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, I, so you said something a second ago that 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 really hit me. You, you mentioned that you know if 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 that's keeping you alive, so that I can see you tomorrow. I, I gotta I gotta imagine that 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 weighs pretty heavy on your on your mental while you're trying to also, uh, you know, teach these kids and and educate them and take care of them while they're at school. Uh, you, you know, what does that what does that do to you as a as a human? Um, I mean, I. I would, I would lie if I said I didn't take it home with me some days. I'm pretty good at trying to leave work at work and leave home at home and not let them mix. Um, when, when you get really heavy stuff like that, though, you can't help but carry it home. Um, it's, it's hard, but 
you know, you don't get into teaching because it's easy. I don't know why, why that is even a thing out there right now. It's there's no part of it that's easy. A lot of it is just knowing people and knowing what people need. Um, but it's that's my same mindset when I'm driving down the road and I see someone on the side of the road with a sign or, you know, they, they, they have nothing and they just need something. And, you know, I, I, I grew up surrounded by people that were like, well, they might just go buy it to buy drugs or alcohol. And I'm like, you know what, if my dollar or $5 or $10 gets them a beer and a burger and they're alive for another day, then I've done my duty for the day. Like that, 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 it's not really my concern that the $3 floating around in my center console in my car go to someone once it's theirs, they can do whatever they want to do with it. If it keeps them alive for a day, it keeps them alive for a day. Yeah, man. So, 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 so tell me this, what, how, how do you go from, you know, every, everybody has the same opportunities. Everyone is responsible, you know, for, for, for how they conduct themselves and everything else. And, you know, if you squander your opportunities, then, you know, that's all on you to the point where you're at now, where it seems like you're a lot more empathetic and a lot more understanding to the, the barriers that a lot of your students were facing that grew up differently than the way that you did. How, how do you, how do you make that jump? How does that happen? I think it's being open-minded first off, um, you know, checking yourself, I think regularly understanding what you have and what other people don't is something I do nearly daily. Um, it's, you know, it's being willing to move from where you're at to where they are. A lot of things in life are immovable, but I have legs so I can move to you. I can come to you. I can help you. Um, you know, I, I can't really speak for the systems. I, I have no control over changing certain systems, but I know that me being a white middle-aged guy, ugh, middle-aged, I can't believe I just said that. White, a white <laughs> middle-aged guy. We're, we're, we're not middle-aged. Don't, don't, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, me being that and being a teacher and teaching kids who are minority and who are low income and who are English as a second language or who have close to nothing. And I have a little bit more than nothing. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to like, I'm going to come to you. Um, but open-mindedness is something that I think the world is severely lacking in. And when I, when I came down from my, from my, from my far, far reaches of, of conservatism and came to the middle, which is where I've proudly planted myself, because I feel like you can be open-minded to any side when you're not on a side. Um, that's where I am as a, as a teacher too. Like I, Whatever your life circumstances are, check my ignorance. I'm gonna. I mean, I've I've literally been like, "Hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you explain it to me?" Like I'm some dumb white guy. I've literally <laughs> said that to my students before, and I was like, "Be respectful. Be respectful." But like, I tell me, tell me what I'm missing. What's what's going on? What is this thing? What? How are you struggling? What are these things that you're going through that I've never gone through? And let me help you however I can, but it's open-mindedness, I think is the biggest thing. And being, and being in the, in the thing that like, 
you talked all the time. I remember we had a conversation back where you're like, you said, if you're willing to help people that don't have something, then volunteer, go do something, go be a part of the big brother, big sister program, which you are or were a part of. Maybe I think you're still a big part of it. Correct. Uh, yeah. So I, I serve on a, an arm of their board of directors still. Yeah. Um, and you're like, go do something like go, go be active in that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my head at that time, I was like, wow, time for that. Like, come on. And um, now being a teacher in a public school, that's my every day. I mean, that's, I'm, I can't tell you, and you may, I'll drop the story now. This is, this is the story. I was gonna <laughs> tell you earlier. Okay. Um, I had a student during the COVID year, um, the year where we started in NTI, where um, super sweet kid, um, I never saw him. He never came to class. The truancy could never get a hold of his his home. He never called. He never answered when I called. I invited him to class several times. He never came. But then when we went back to in person, he um, he started coming to school. And immediately, my admin at that time, you know, bless their hearts, they're doing what the district tells them to. They're like, "Where have you been? What are you? What's going on? Like, you know, your mom needs to call us. All that stuff." And he's like, "I, you know, I." couldn't come to school. Sorry. I just couldn't come. Like didn't have, didn't have the way, didn't have internet. Wasn't, I'm not at home often enough to come, but uh, he w- ended up being, in, he's in one of my classes, obviously he's one of my students. And in his class, he was the only student that showed up to in-person learning. So we had, it was, that was where it was optional. You could either stay, stay NTI or you could come to school and you could be in person. And in that period that I had him, he was an in-person student. So I was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sit down. We're going to have a conversation every day. We're going to have a conversation about schoolwork. We're going to have a conversation about work that you're missing, about, you know, questions that you may have. And also we're going to have a conversation about like, I want you to tell me what your life is like, and I'll tell you what mine is like, but I'll tell you mine first, just so you can understand where I'm coming from. And if you're ever comfortable, tell me about your life. And he had a, he had a pretty tough life. Like he, he had some brothers that were in jail. His dad was in jail. Um, he was a, he was a black kid, and he he ran around with uh, some pretty tough tough dudes. He was telling me about them. He would show me videos of them on YouTube, music videos, walking around with fully automatic assault assault weapons wow. and stuff. And, <clears throat> and he's like, "Yeah, these these are my cr- this is my crew. These are my these are my bros." Um, and we got we got to work. There was a he had an assignment where it was like a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. You had to come up with a five-year plan and a 10-year plan, where you see yourself in five years, where you see, see yourself in 10 years. This wasn't for my class. This was for another class. That teacher couldn't get him to do the work. They're like, TJ, I know you have good good relationship with this kid. Can you get him to do this work? I was like, sure, we'll do it. So we sat down, we did the work. I was like, all right, go ahead and tell me what's your five-year plan. He's like, don't have one. I'm like, well, why not? He's like, um, I don't know if I'm gonna live past five years. He's like, the life I live outside of here, I don't know if I'm going to live past five years. I'm like, oh, so we don't have a plan. Like, we don't have any idea what we want to be in five or 10 years. He's like, I've never thought about it. He's like, I've never known anybody that's lived five years past high school. So no, like all of his friends, anytime they got early 20s, they they were dead. I was like, well, let's come up with something. So we came up with something. I I couldn't, I can't remember what it was, but um, that was towards the end of the school year. He... Uh, sorry, he, it's a, it's a tough, tough little situation here. He, the school year ended 
then I was at the lake probably a week or two after, after the school year ended. And he, I got a call from my assistant principal. She's like, Hey, I'm just letting you know something. I'm like, what's going on? It's summer. She's like, I just want to let you know your, your boy got shot and killed. Oh my gosh. And, um, I, uh, I immediately dropped to the ground. I was standing next to my car. I dropped to the ground, dropped my phone, just, just in a puddle, like sitting there in a puddle. And, um, I couldn't help but feel like, like what else could I have done? Um, and I, but every day I think about him every day I've, I've told the story. I don't name him in my class, but I told the story to my kids, like, I want to, I want to know how I can help you, how I can kick, like, you know, give you a bump it back into the right lane. If I can, you know, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a 33 year old white guy. There's only so much I can do, but I want you to see what success is like and, and, and feel success. I want, I want you to feel it. Like, I want you to feel success on your own. Um, but he, you know, every day I'm like, he was right. Like he didn't make it five years like that. How do you, like, how do I fix that wow. in school? How do I fix that in school? I don't know. How do I fix that? And I'm sorry. I just went on that little like diatribe, like story tell, but that it, it, it literally weighs on my shoulders every single day. Wow. And to top it all off, he said, the, the last day they were there, we were in school. He said, Mr. Lechner, I want to tell you something. I was like, yeah, what's, what's up, dude? He's like, you know, you're the first white guy that I've ever felt like cares about me in my whole life. Wow. And uh, I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored to be that guy. I don't know if I am the right guy, but I'm honored to be the guy. And he's like, no, like you're, you're real. You're for real. Like whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Cause I like you. I didn't like you at first, but I like you now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Dude, that just, <sighs> Wow. I did. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that really highlights, uh, you know, kind of, you know, why I started the podcast and why, um, you know, I, I want to have conversations like these or to be able to see it in different perspectives, because the biggest thing that I, that I took away from, um, you know, from that just incredibly sad story is that your willingness to sit down and to understand different perspectives and to understand where other people who've grown up differently than you are and look differently than you and live in a different world than you do, just trying to understand them and having them to understand you. Um, I just, I just think that there's so much power in trying to understand, not necessarily trying to you know, change minds or anything like that, but just trying to understand where other people are coming from. Um, and the other thing that this really gets to, you know, well, obviously we're talking about education here is I get so annoyed with so many of my friends and people just crapping on public schools and, you know, teachers and, and whatever else, because there are so many teachers out there like yourself who are taking so much of this home who are dealing with so much outside of their job, which is to teach 
they are feeding their kids. They are making sure that they are safe on weekends and they are, and, and, you know, after school and they are giving rides to their students and they are so invested in their students. And there's just so much, there's only so much that, in, in my opinion, that teachers can do during the 40 or 50 hours that those, their students are actually in school. And so I, I just, I don't, I don't know how we, how we fix this or how we change this, but I've got to believe that the answer isn't to, you know, necessarily invest more into schools, but to invest more into supporting these students when they're outside of the the walls of schools. So I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I think they're asking teachers and schools to fix problems that start at home. You know, I was talking to, um, I was talking to someone last week just about it. You know, it was, it was some lady online making an ignorant comment that I couldn't ignore and I shouldn't have been engaged, but I couldn't help it. Um, she was saying that uh, you need to get rid of the, a lot of the teachers and start over and all this stuff. And I said, in a 24-hour day, I see my kids for 50 minutes and I can't fix in 50 minutes what they're exposed to for the other 23 hours and 10 minutes of each day. I can't, like, I I can't fix that. I'll do my, I'll do my damnedest, but I can't fix that. It's, they're asking schools to, to fix deficits like nutrition and hunger, money management, safety, um, you know, poverty, just poverty in general. Like there's no way schools can fill that hole that those kids don't have when they go home for the 17 hours that they aren't at school. How does school fix that? Um, do you invest in the community more? Absolutely. But you know, there's, there's a, there's a whole concept of schools out there. And I think maybe you and I have talked about it online. Um, the community-based schools mm-hmm. where you, you, you put us, the school in a community becomes the hub for everything that community needs. So if you put a school in a high density, like Hispanic neighborhood, you have translators, you have uh, you have a Spanish supermarket, you have a, you have job preparedness, you have, um, you know, English language learning classes, you have all of these different, these different, um, these different tools that these, that the community can use, and they all start at the school. So the buy-in is at the school for that whole community. So obviously, the problems with that are that you, you, you go ahead and you're, you're just saying, well, our city's segregated, so we're going to give each segregated community a, a, what they need. But I think we can both agree that busing since the 60s has not done anything. I mean, it's not done. It, it Maybe it's done something, but it hasn't done what they thought it would do, at least. Right. You know, it hasn't closed any of those gaps. The gaps have gotten wider. Yeah. You know, Gap kids, we talk about in all. We did literally on Monday. I had a meeting at school, a two-hour meeting about gap kids. And for those of you, for those of you listeners that don't don't know, gap kids are minority kids, they're low-income kids, and they're ESL kids. So they're the kids that are on the bottom end of the gap of high achieving and low achieving. So that they're low achievers. They, they call those the gap kids. Um, and I could almost look at their file. I try not to do this because I, I treat every kid the same when they walk in my, my room until I figure out what they need. But I could almost look at their file, look at where they live, look at their, their parent situation in most cases and tell you if they're going to be su- successful or not. Like that's, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. 
Um, but I don't, I don't know how to fix it without like, I, I, I don't think giving schools more money is the, the, the answer, but I definitely think intertwining community money and school money and making some sort of hub at each school reflecting what that community needs is a start. Mm-hmm. I think it just runs the risk of further segregating our already segregated city. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I've always been an advocate of strong community centers and putting money towards these community centers because this is where students are, or at least in these areas around where they are at home, this is where they are outside of school. So if you gave them a place where they could go after school, where they could be on weekends, where they could be hopefully in the summers, my big thing is providing free summer programming to low-income students because that is so vital for them to be able to grow their brains and to be able to exercise their minds, um, you know, during those three months in the summers where their higher income counterparts are absolutely doing that. Their parents are typically college educated and their parents are telling them, Hey, you need to be reading books. You need to be doing this, or, Hey, I'm paying you for you to be in this summer camp or for you to be there. And it's just, it's, it's so critically important. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you when it comes to uh, trying to invest in, in the community uh, as a, as a way to be able to help bridge these gaps that we have. And this isn't a new conversation. I mean, we've been talking about bridging the gap, uh, I mean, for, for decades at this point and the pandemic only, you know, made things worse. Right. Uh, and that's, and that's time that we, that we can't get back. Um, but you know, that doesn't mean that we, you know, we give up on it. No, I, we definitely don't give up on it. I think, I think acknowledging that schools can't fix these problems is the first step, but giving the schools the tools to fix some of the problems is another step. I mean, I think about my, my, my kids at school, the ones that, you know, they might have one or two parents at home. And if they have two parents, one of them is working all the time. The other one is, is, is at home with their three or four other siblings. If you just had universal pre-K, free pre-K, I mean, that frees up a parent to go get a job. And, and provide more for those, for their students or frees up that parent to go get training for a job or frees up that parent to go to school so they can get a, some sort of degree to get a, a better paying job. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it could start at so many different angles and I could go on for hours about it. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough situation. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, so we're, we're, we're getting towards uh, the, the end of our, our time here, but one of the, uh, the, the next issues that I wanted to talk about before the end of it was, uh, you know, the objectivity bias, uh, when it comes to all different parts of, of society, um, what's one of the biggest issues that you see when it comes to that? I mean, I think echo chambers surrounding yourselves with surrounding yourself with people that tell you everything that you already know and that agree with you and everything they don't challenge you you know i i would say that i'm living proof to some extent of that where i was at a private school and it was people in some sense or another telling me that my life is fine everything that everything about your life is fine don't don't change a thing don't challenge anything you're good um but when we surround ourselves with people that only ever agree with us I think that's dangerous. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's simulating. 
to, to your brain, you know, just like lifting weights, just like, uh, you know, running you to get better at something, you have to get uncomfortable. I tell my swimmers that all the time, you will not get better at swimming until you're okay being uncomfortable and you're not going to get better. You're not going to become a better thinker and a better activist or a better teacher or a better engineer or whatever until you, until you allow yourself to be uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I, I, I think I've talked about this on, on the podcast previously, but I work with a group called Hobie. It's the Hugh O'Brien Youth Leadership Program in the summers. And I love it every year because that's exactly what we teach is for them to get outside of their comfort zones and to engage with, with other students. So they're sophomores going into their junior years. And our whole thing is we want to teach you to be open-minded. And I tell them every single year, life does not begin until you get outside of your comfort zone, period. Nope. Um, and I mean, the majority of the students, I mean, with it being Kentucky, the majority of the students that I engage with are, um, are from rural areas um, and they typically don't look like me. And similarly to how you had your student who said, you know, you're the first white guy who ever, you know, cared about me or that I, you know, had ever really engaged with. Uh, I had a student who told me that you're the first person from, from Louisville and the first Democrat that I've, <laughs> that I've ever, you know, really engaged with and, you know, has cared about me and whatever else. And I never told him he needed to change his way of thinking or anything like that, but just said, Hey, if, if, if you think that I'm a, a good person, you know, let's, let's just have a conversation over, over, um, you know, over the next few years or whatever else, or if you ever have, you know, want to bounce an idea off of me because I have a different perspective, you know, let's, let's engage, let's talk. It's, uh, right. it's, and I mean, you, you're, you're, you're proof to this, like, at least in my life, I, I think a, a, a critique of me is that I think many people may think that I have a lot of people around me who, who think the same way that I do, which I do. But I value the opinion of people who think differently than I do way more than the people that agree with me. And you're willing to engage with them, which is which is the biggest part. <laughs> Sometimes a little too willing. Um, I think my too, I think don't worry I, about it. <laughs> I think my wife would be the number one, uh, the first person to say, "All right, get off your phone. You need to respond to that Facebook message. You need to respond <laughs> to that Instagram yep. DM." Like, yep. <laughs> because if I'm going to respond to someone, or if I'm going to you know debate a point or something like that, like. I, I have to do it responding to every single point that you make. And I want to do it in depth. Like I want to do it service. So I always get um, upset when I, when I do do that. And then people will respond to me and they'll just give me like four words or like a few sentences or something. I'm like, all right, well, that was a waste of my time. I don't know. <laughs> I found the trick is to just not respond at all at that point. Let them stew in their anger and whatever they say, just don't even respond. Um, yeah. But I do think nuance, nuance goes a long way to, you know, understanding that life, as much as we'd like it to be, is not black and white. Mm -hmm. There is nuance. You know, I, I, I talk to my sister all the time, my little sister, and she's a, she's a, a feminist and a vegan and a, um, I guess she's, she a little bit more, more independent now than she was, but she was a bleeding heart liberal. And she used to always say, I just don't understand why people don't care about global warming and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, if people are hungry and they don't know if they're going to eat food for dinner tonight, they're not going to care what the earth looks like in five years. <laughs> like you have to understand that we have to feed every, we have to level that playing field so we can all have the ability to think the same 
like thinking any other different, that's privilege. You're thinking in a privileged place where your life and your air-conditioned house with your gas-powered car and your electric on in your house, you want to, you, you can sit there and say global warming is an issue. When people don't have any of those things, I kind of don't blame them if they don't care. This is, I, I wish that everyone listening at least knew our history because it is mind blowing to hear you say stuff like that. Uh, just because I, I, I know that it was not uh, something that was within your consciousness, um, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. No. Yeah. Nope. Um, and so it is just, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. The, the growth that you've been willing to make, um, you know, within, within your, within your space, within your life and how you kind of, how you see the world. Uh, it's just, it's just phenomenal. Um, so I always end each episode with, with solutions. And obviously we talked, um, a, about a lot of different things today, um, even outside of the educate education sphere. Um, what do you think are some of the, the solutions to some of the issues that we, that we brought up today? I, mean, I, I think your the title of your podcast says a lot of it. I, I think you need to make yourself uncomfortable, like whatever bubble you're in get out of that bubble, challenge yourself with other people that will challenge you. Like you're not going to get better if you don't put yourself in a position to grow via being challenged and understand that, you know, I, if you want to look at it mathematically on a circle, there's 360 degrees. You're one degree of that. There's 359 other degrees to see that, that problem from so understand that you might not be the solution or there might not only ever be one solution, but I think being willing, willing to communicate with people you disagree with and willing to come to the table with them with ideas goes a long way. And with education, I think putting yourself in the shoes of a teacher, being a sub for a day, being a sub for a week, you will see that the problems facing teachers currently are damn near close to insurmountable with the tools that we're given and the and the money we're being paid and the time we're asked to spend there it's not it's not viable um so to fix edu- if if i were to, to to boil down how to fix education into an essence um I would say make sure you pay attention in your local elections, like school, you know, we're, we're doing this on election night right now. There's school board candidates that are out there um, that are, that are being voted for or that we're being voted for today. Pay attention to that, pay attention to who's going to be the mayor um, and, and, and realize that uh, fixing education is a lot more than JCPS's fix. It's a, it's a community fix. It's a city of Louisville fix. It's a, it's a state of Kentucky fix. It's a United States fix. It's a systemic broken thing that has to start close to the top. I don't know how much, I, I, I don't know how much these people care, which is another problem. So I think being vocal, being heard and making sure that you are open-minded to people's lives being completely and totally different than yours and understanding it and talking about it and hugging those people when you're done and letting them know that you still care. Those go a long way. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's great. Um, 
I really wish that we could, we, we could pay our, our, our teachers, you know, 70 K plus. Uh, I think that that would go a long way to one, helping get them closer to the compensation that, that you deserve. Um, but also I think it would help more bright students want to go into teaching. Uh, I think one of the biggest issues that I always see is you, you ask a kid who's got a, a 4.0, um, you know, coming out of high school, what he wants to do. And typically teachers not on that list, which is unfortunate. Um, and it absolutely should be. I think that teachers are one of the most important professions that we have, and we do not pay them like that, nor do we give them the respect that, that they deserve. And personally, I know that without teachers like yourself who took, you know, interest in me growing up, there's no way in the world that I would be on the path that I am uh, today. And one of the next uh, podcast episodes we're going to do is actually going to be a teacher that I, that I had in the past, which is uh, pretty cool. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But uh, TJ, my man, I want to thank you for, uh, for coming on uh, to the podcast and uh, sharing your perspective and, and sharing your story. Uh, I, I really appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Thank you, Torrance. I appreciate everything. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Let's Get Uncomfortable podcast. The biggest compliment that you can give is by sharing this podcast with a friend. So follow me on Instagram at just underscore Torrance and tag me in your Instagram story of a screenshot of this podcast. Also, if you hated this episode or loved this episode, shoot me an email at thelgupodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear any feedback about interview requests or topics you would like for me to cover or ways that I can get